Hi guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has for over 15 years delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. We now have two Empower Bar baking mixes in both original and cacao and provide you the ability to make your own healthy nutrition bars at home. It's super easy and convenient with minimal ingredients. Ditch the traditional bars on the market that are loaded with sugar, unhealthy fats, and other inflammatory ingredients. Take back control of your health and blood sugar with our Empower Bar baking mix. And all of our products are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount off of our products, visit gratified.com and use the promo code healthified at checkout. So if you are enjoying listening to the Healthified podcast, I would be so grateful if you could scroll down and submit a rating or review. Five stars is awesome and very appreciated. But of course, honest feedback is also welcome. Today's guest is Bronwyn Mitchell. Bronwyn is a kinesiology major at the University of Virginia, pursuing a master's degree in commerce. She has a passion for nutrition and uses various channels to show others that healthy food doesn't have to be bland or break the bank. Even as a college student, she posts plant-based recipes on her Instagram at plant-based post and expanded the brand to occasionally sell some of her most popular food items in Richmond. In our conversation, we discuss what motivated her to turn to a purely plant-based approach to eating and how she navigates her healthy lifestyle while attending college, which has included dorm life, living in a sorority house, and living in a hotel for a time how she gets her cooking inspiration and what she wishes people knew about cooking for themselves that could help make it more fun and enjoyable, how she stays true to herself and her healthy lifestyle, even when it goes against what others around her are doing, the other facets of health she finds very important, and the two positive lifestyle behaviors she would encourage anyone to embrace that would benefit their lives today. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Bronwyn. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the Healthified podcast. This is a special conversation. I'm so excited to have it with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. As a yeah. longtime listener, I'm excited to actually be on the podcast for a change. Well, it's funny. I know I told you in the past that you had kind of been on my list of people to reach out to because um, a former health coaching client had told me about you. And so I immediately put you in my little spreadsheet to interview you. So it's just kind of um, the way of the universe that brought um, us together, I think. Coming full circle. Yeah. So for those of you listening, this is Bronwyn Mitchell. She is a plant-based eating advocate who runs the social media account, Plant-Based Post, and founder of her meal delivery service, Plant-Based Postal, which I love. I think that's so creative. Um, she also happens to be interning this summer for Gratified Health and has been an amazing asset to me and our company. So like I said, a very special conversation to dive in and get to know you a little bit better. Um, and with that intro, can you just tell us a little bit more about your story background and how you got to where you are? Yeah. So I am going into my fourth year at UVA. I'm studying kinesiology with hopes of pursuing dietetics. And I also, um, as you may have heard from my plant-based postal thing. I'm very interested in business as well. So kind of hoping to combine business and nutrition, similar to what Sarah has done with uh, Healthified and Gratified. And 
I've always been in the kitchen my whole life, but hadn't always been into nutrition. And that changed when I became vegan about five or six years ago. So yeah. Yeah. And I want to get into kind of your experience since becoming vegan, but I want to even back up before that um, and ask kind of before becoming vegan and making that choice, what was your definition of healthy eating and how was nutrition talked about or practiced in your family and in your upbringing? Yeah, I think I always had this idea of like sticking to the produce sections of grocery stores as much as possible, Mm. limiting packaged products um, and really making things at home. My mom from a young age, I mean, she's always been in the kitchen. Her family is Italian. So in particular, Mm. she's, (laughs) she's very good at that type of cuisine, but um, Uh from her grandmother who was ahead of her time, really stuck to things from her garden, fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, and that carried down to me. I saw my mom in the kitchen. I, she's a stay at home mom. So she was always making us dinner, lunch. And I just thought it was the weirdest thing when I would meet someone and they didn't have experience in the kitchen. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I know my way around the kitchen. I know what all these herbs are, all these spices. So, so yeah, that's how it really got started. I've always been in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating. And, you know, and I, I love talking about people's food stories in this way, um, especially as it kind of dates back to childhood and, um, whether you have a story like yours or a story like mine, whereas like there's definitely some overlap. I remember my mom, um, cooked all dinners and she was stay at home mother as well. And, um, there was a lot of homemade meals, but I feel as if my missing piece was the lack of kind of nutrition and that periphery of the grocery store packaged foods were very prevalent in my household. And when I went to college and quote unquote started cooking, um, it was kind of like heating up one of those morning star veggie burgers and putting it on an yeah. English muffin. So I think um, it's so interesting how um, even though there's so many similarities between you and I now, our stories in their humble beginnings weren't as um having those overlapping characteristics. Um, so for someone who, um, and for anyone really, but maybe even someone who is in high school or college, um, what would be your biggest tips in how to get started with cooking? If that's not been something that's really part of their story. Yeah. Um, for a college student, you know, it's very difficult, especially your first year working with the dining hall. Um, but honestly it is kind of a cool place to get started because you have that like buffet salad bar type setting where you can kind of concoct your own things. Mm -hmm. Um, I know as someone who was into healthy eating, when I went into college, I really had to get good at like, okay, I'll grab some kale and greens from the salad bar and some rice. And then I'll go over to this, the allergy section where they have sweet potatoes, Um, so definitely a different form of creativity with my food there, even Mm -hmm, though I wasn't mm -hmm. cooking it. Um, but as far as someone who's in high school or college, who's trying to get into cooking, I would say, start with, I think sometimes it's so overwhelming, like, oh, I want to, I want to do this. I want to be vegan. I want to be paleo. I want to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. You feel like you're just diving into the deep end, but I feel like even adding in like one meal a week or one one type of cuisine, um, one group of ingredients, and then just experimenting with it. I know I run into people all the time who always stick to recipes. Like 
some people I'll interact with them and they're like, oh, well, I don't have two tablespoons of parsley. I only have one and they're freaking out because they're not sticking to the recipe. And I think it cooking is kind of like a form of art. You can just throw a bunch of things together and see, see how it turns out. And if it fails, so be it. <laughs> and you just, yeah. from there. I think that's such great advice and it's mimics something that Kate uncorked, um, who I'm sure, you know, from being in this wellness space in Richmond, um, she said the exact same thing of like, you know, maybe if you don't have a shallot, you have onion or garlic and it doesn't have to be completely exact. Um, and to just allow yourself some flexibility and fluidity and, you know, there's a good chance it's still going to come out delicious if not edible, but then you can sort of use that information to know like what you can do next time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's interesting that you kind of went to college with this healthy eating mindset. Do you feel as if among your peers, once you got there, was that kind of the anomaly or was that the norm? Um, because I remember, I always think back on the story a lot when I was living in the sorority house and I was, I think mid college was, was when I kind of started to learn a little bit more about nutrition and healthy eating. And, you know, just like with the dining hall, if you're in a sorority house, all these meals are kind of prefixed, but there are healthier options presented than others. And I remember sort of being on the side of the spectrum that was trying to make the healthier choices. And someone looked at me and she's like, what's the point? And mm -hmm. I think back in that often, and yes, college is a time where healthy eating might not be a priority for a lot of people, especially when there's partying involved. Um, but I would love to throw that back at you and just sort of ask, like, what would be your answer to that question, especially in college at that age of like, what is the point of healthy eating? Why yeah. do you prioritize it? You know, I, I go back and forth on this because sometimes I feel like in college, especially it's so important to focus on your relationships with people mm. and sometimes healthy eating can get in the way of that. And I've hit a point where I've had to kind of balance that and be like, okay, it is worth it to me to spend time with my friends, even if that means a slightly less healthy meal. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I recognize how much better I feel when I'm fueling myself with greens and vegetables, fruits all the time. And it is more difficult, certainly in college, um, especially in a sorority, going to the dining halls and stuff like that. But from trial and error of like, okay, well, I'll eat the less healthy options for a period of time. I always find myself going back to taking those extra two hours a week to prep mm -hmm. stuff. Um, because I just feel, I feel more energized. I feel like I can be a better end and student when I'm fueled in that way. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is, um, really great point and very important for people to hear. And the fact of like, and I think that's where you kind of allow that wiggle room, if you will, knowing that you always have the ability to kind of go back to um, your healthier way of doing things, even if you have a night out at a restaurant. And it's always been my opinion that on any menu, um, this is the case for more some restaurants more than others, but I feel as if you can always find something nutritious, if not balancing. Um, but then also knowing and having that confidence that the next day provides you an opportunity to go back to the way that you might do things, um, in your own home kitchen. So, um, and that mental health is something that can be prioritized 
as well. And knowing that if you were to just completely isolate yourself in the name of your nutritional ideals, that that could kind of, you know, lead to other type of emotional and mental issues. Um, Yeah. You know, we talk so much about food and exercise with health, but I feel like they're definitely other factors that are super crucial. And I think relationships with people is definitely one of those. Yeah. And this is something I, I talk about on the podcast frequently of when you can sort of understand that your emotional experience going into a meal, um, has just as much, if not more so, um, effects on even your physiology. Like if you were to eat with enjoyment and love and connection with your friends versus sitting there telling yourself that you shouldn't be eating it, you know, the research shows that the positive emotional experience benefits your metabolism, your digestion, um, things like that. than if you were to kind of go into it with more of those negative emotions. So sounds like you have a really good grip on that. Not something I had in college. So good. (laughs) I I have been working at it for a little while. Yeah. So let's talk about veganism. Um, you said you decided to go vegan about five or six years ago. Why did you make that choice? Yeah. So as I shared earlier, I grew up in a home where, uh, whole foods were definitely prioritized. Not, we certainly had the packaged junk foods as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself going, spending time with other people's families and being a bit overwhelmed by the food options that they were providing me. And mm-hmm. I was honestly very spoiled growing up, especially with my meats. Um, those kind of freaked me out when they weren't of a super high quality. And I never really liked chicken actually, but Mm -hmm. weirdly enough, I loved red meat. Mm. Um, and then dairy started bothering my stomach, but when I went places, I I was super picky with what other people were feeding me. And Mm -hmm. I remember having this thought of like, well, there are only so many bad things that can be in vegetables. Like, mm. sure, maybe they won't be organic or this or that. But at the end of the day, like a vegetable is a vegetable. It can't be, but so bad. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I can just tell people that I'm vegan. And then anything that I don't want to eat won't be served to me necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I had that thought, I was like, well, I can't be lying to these people and say that and then not actually be vegan. So I might as well try it out. And I did, and I never turned back. So that's awesome. So my question is, how did you know that veganism was working for you? What were the kind of positive benefits that you felt? And were there any little red flags that you felt like maybe this wasn't working for you? Or did you feel like you just had a positive experience the whole time? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my aunts growing up was actually vegan, which is who introduced me to the diet in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd kind of seen how she benefited from it, but I'm a huge runner. And the main area where I saw it was the recovery from running. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt lighter when I was running and I felt like I didn't stay sore for as long. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge plus. But that being said, when I got to college and had those more difficult eating situations, Mm -hmm. I felt oftentimes like I wasn't able to get enough protein. Um, And when things like that came up, I told myself since, since my reasoning for going vegan was more so a health reason than ethical. Mm -hmm. um, Like if I ever hit a point where I feel like it is not fueling me adequately, I will make a change. Mm. Um, 
So there were a few times this past year where I would eat some fish because I recognized that I wasn't getting enough protein. Um, And at the end of the day, it was really important for me to be in touch with my health and prioritize that. Um, So definitely in tune with when I need to make small adjustments overall, I think a plant-based diet definitely does work very well for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I've been able to stick to it for five or six years, but yeah, especially as someone who's super active and in a college, um, in the college years of my life, there are certain times where I feel like I need to reach for fish, um, to, to get a little bit more protein. See, I love that. And I think that's really important for people to hear, especially when it comes to talking about nutrition and how much confusion there is out there. And, you know, when I was health coaching more full time, so many of my conversations revolved around really encouraging people to tune into their individual body and what they needed. And I think that as a society, unfortunately, um, not to overgeneralize, but many of us can be very disconnected from our body and those signals that it sends. Um, but it sounds as if, you know, kind of as you were talking about the protein thing that you are more in tune with your body and you know what to listen for, um, and when to make a different choice, when something isn't serving you, or you feel like you need something else in order to, um, get back to a better feeling place. So I would just be curious to unpack that a little bit more when it comes to the protein thing, like, how did you know that that was something that you needed to choose instead? or to kind of add in the fish, um, yeah. like what were those signals? So I, when I first went vegan, my mom actually made me write down a list of how much protein was in given plant plant sources because she was worried about my protein intake. So mm. I have always kind of been aware of which foods were higher in protein and that type of stuff. Um, when I shifted to college, I still think it is totally feasible to get a bunch of protein on a plant-based diet uh-huh. it just takes a lot more thought and time, which in college isn't, isn't always something that I have right. an ample amount of. Um, and I'm sure that'll continue to be the case as I go into the work world. But, um, yeah, I mean, there, as you know, there's an amino acid profile and in plant protein, you, there are only two sources, quinoa and soy, I believe maybe there's some more, um, that have all of the proper amino acids. Um, but something that I've learned through the few nutrition courses I have been taking is that you can combine food sources and get, get all of those amino acids mm-hmm. from the two foods. So like beans and rice, for example, complement each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I personally felt, um, not as energized as I had with Mm -hmm. the protein and just an awareness of like, okay, I, I'm an athlete who is constantly, I'm working out most days of the week. Like Mm -hmm. I know that I need to hit X amount of protein at least. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wasn't hitting that just because of what I had access to. Mm -hmm. Um, and since I didn't have ample time, I figured it, it would probably be more beneficial to get that source of protein from fish, as opposed to trying to concoct this, um, vegan dish with all of these special ingredients, which I didn't have access to at the time. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so kind of shifting to more of like the choice to go vegan in and of itself, like after you made that decision, 
did you feel like you kind of had to justify yourself, explain yourself to other people in your world? Um, did you come into contact with judgment, skepticism, a lot of questions? Like what was that experience like early on for you? Yeah. Overall, I definitely had a lot of support from my family and friends. Um, but I think there definitely is the vegan community. I feel like can be very aggressive at times. Yeah. Um, and I personally sometimes felt like people tried to force veganism on other people and that has never been my approach. So yes, sometimes I do feel like I have to defend myself and be like, no, I'm like, I'm not going to try and push this on you. It's a personal right. choice for me. Um, and just trying to lead by example and certainly a vegan diet isn't for everyone. I'm not, I'm not trying to advocate for that, but if someone does want to switch to a more plant-based diet, leading by example and allowing them to see the cool dishes that I can come up with, mm -hmm. how I feel based on my diet. I think that's a much more powerful way to encourage others to adopt a more plant-based diet. Yeah. And I think you do that so beautifully on your Instagram account. Um, all of your meals look amazing. So I would love for you to kind of walk us through what a day of eating looks like for you. Yeah. So if you follow my Instagram, um, you know that I usually start my day with either a smoothie bowl or a yogurt bowl with my favorite granola clusters from Gratisfied <laughs> um, or another form of low sugar uh, <laughs> granola, you. but usually the Gratisfied crumbles. Um, <laughs> that, that is something that stays pretty consistent. I don't really change up my breakfast too much. I'm a creature of habit there. Um, as far as lunch and dinner, I tried to have at least one of those meals be a hearty bowl with a lot of greens um, because I think it is so important to get in, get in mm -hmm. those parties. Um, so start with a base of greens, a grain, whether that be rice, quinoa, something else. Um, and then a bunch of vegetables I do in trying to keep in trying to get in more protein. I, um, have incorporated tofu a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I've learned how to cook that to where I enjoy it because for a while I was a little skeptical of tofu and how it tasted. Yeah. Um, and then for dinner, I do also really love toast with like avocado, hummus, mm. sprouts, all things like top toppings, all the toppings. Um, so that's another go-to for me. And then tacos. I love Siete tortillas yeah. in particular, uh -huh. um, just like any healthier tortilla alternative with a bunch of vegetables and a sauce on top. That's, that's a pretty safe bet for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that all sounds delicious and I'm really glad I just ate lunch because you would be yeah. making me hungry. <laughs> um, so supplements, you know, you kind of mentioned the protein thing and the like lower energy at a time where you were noticing it. Do you take any supplements to support your primarily plant-based diet? Yeah. I, the big one is B12. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's definitely some, something that anyone on a more plant-based diet should be taking from what I've learned. Um, I also take zinc, but mm. that I don't know too much behind. It's just something that I, I started taking. Um, and I feel like I should be better about taking an omega-3, uh, supplement. Or Same. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely think that's something that is important to get in, but I, I am not good about taking that consistently. Um, so yeah, the, the main one is B12. And of course in the summer, I'm getting a decent amount of vitamin D. So yep. I, I am not taking that currently, but in the winter try to. So, um, talk to us a little bit more just about staying healthy in college, because I kind of want to unpack that a little bit, just in terms of, um, you're about to go into your senior year and you told me something when we first talked that was so interesting to me that I think anyone could benefit from learning about your experience of living in a hotel your first (laughs) semester last year, um, that your sorority house wasn't finished with the renovation so that they had to put you in a hotel. So talk to us about navigating that, because I imagine there probably wasn't a lot of cooking, um, probably more like takeaway meals and whether you're in college or not, like if you travel or you go on vacation or you find yourself business trips, what have you in hotels, like, I think that there could be some nuggets of info there that people could benefit from. Yeah. So I really was limited to just a mini fridge in my hotel room during that period of time. So very tricky and very different from anything I had ever experienced. Um, I would say two things definitely helped me out to begin with. Charlottesville has an abundance of good restaurants. So Mm -hmm. definitely not a shortage of that, uh, which, which was very nice. And I am from Richmond. So only an hour from home. And as I said before, my mom loves cooking. So there were times where she would, she would make some things and bring them up to me. So I was very nice. Yes. Um, but a few things that I stuck to, there is a very good like grain bowl restaurant in Charlottesville and in a few other cities that I really relied on. Um, I would get a big, big grain bowl. And then I would go to the grocery store and buy a thing of greens and I would split it into like two or three meals and just Mm -hmm. kind of mix the greens from the store with the rice and the vegetables and the protein, um, from this bowl place. So is that roots? Is that roots? Yeah. Yeah. Big frequent. Oh yeah. It's the best. So I would really kind of doctor those up with a few Mm -hmm. extra ingredients that I would get at the grocery store. And then breakfast, I stuck to like packaged overnight oats or yogurt. Um, It's easy to just keep in the fridge, grab from there. And then I would buy fresh fruit and also granola. Um, So just combining those two. And I think traveling, living in a dorm, living in a hotel, whatever your situation is, a nut butter or a seed butter is always a good go-to. Mm-hmm. Got protein, healthy fats, um, just a nice thing to add to any meal that you're eating to make it a little bit more hearty, blood sugar balancing, um, that type of thing. So yeah, I'd say those were two big things. Breakfast, either yogurt or overnight oats with the nut butter for the healthy fats to keep you satiated, uh, granola and fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. And then the grain bowls and supplementing in vegetables that I would buy from the grocery store. Yeah. And kind of all that you just said reminded me just of like a general tip and trick, whether you're just, um, visiting a different city, um, or you are away on vacation, staying in like an Airbnb or even like a rental home that like, thank goodness there are all of these establishments popping up in 
more places than not, and they are becoming more common. And I think that even if you just like, whenever I travel, I Google smoothie bowl or juice bar near me, or a lot of the times there will be a whole foods or at least just a grocery store where you go pick up some yogurt and granola. Um, and that like a lot of these foods that you can now travel with, if you just take a little cooler. Um, so I think that those are really good suggestions that you outlined and, um, you know, there's in more bigger cities. Yes. But there's just more of those bowl places now. Um, and to your point, like a lot of them are two or three servings. Um, I know like roots last me like three meals. Um, so yeah, I think that those are all very good suggestions. Um, so I want to shift a little bit more to kind of your Instagram account and your business. Um, why did you kind of start these passion projects inside hustles and what is your vision for them? Yeah, I, from a young age, I have always kind of had this entrepreneur mindset. Uh, when I was in high school, I think the end of middle school into high school, I had a jewelry business actually, which was my first, first That's business so cool. venture. Um, so I've always just kind of had that type of mind where I'm wanting to make some money in untraditional ways, um, mm-hmm. in fields where I'm passionate. And so I honestly, I don't really remember why I started my food Instagram. I think it was because that was the time of like earthy Andy becoming super popular. If you're uh-huh. familiar with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw all of her smoothie bowls and was like, I could so do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of just a little like journal for me at the beginning. And then I started to have people like ask for recipes and like what, what types of meals that I was making. So then it became more of a recipe based, um, Instagram. And then people who were local were like, how can I like try this? Will you make it for me sometime? Mm -hmm. And so I would start making things for friends here and there. And then I was like, okay, I think the little light bulb in my entrepreneur mindset switched. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I should just start doing this for, for everyone who is local. So I started that separate Instagram, uh, where I offer a few of my food items, um, for weekly pickup and was in Richmond again this summer. So was able to start it back up again. So yeah, anytime I'm home, I try and try and do that. Um, just to share, I, I think the main goal I have behind it is to show people that healthy eating can be good. It can taste good. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be boring, just like mm-hmm. greens and some vegetables, there are spices, right. you can bake things and they can still taste very good. So wanting to share that with other people is really what keeps me going. Yeah. And I think a business like yours really helps bridge the gap for people because I think for the majority, like the desire to eat more plants or to eat even a little bit more nutritiously is there, but then there are kind of those roadblocks, those obstacles to get from point A to point B. And a lot of it does involve being intimidated in the kitchen or not knowing where to start or feeling overwhelmed by recipes, et cetera, et cetera, what have you. And I think that what you do is that you kind of take away those obstacles and provide a little bit more of provide people with options and that convenience factor that the desire is there. They can turn to you for that solution. Um, so what are some of your offerings? So I have three, I'd say there are three bestsellers. The first one Mm -hmm. being granola butter, 
mm-hmm. um, which I start with like a cashew butter base and then I bake granola and process that into the cashew butter base. So it's definitely a labor of love. That one takes the longest, but yeah, but sounds it. amazing. <laughs> um, so I've kept it around and then I make overnight oats with a homemade um, fruit compote and then almond butter on top. Mm-hmm. which I think people like so much because it's convenient. It, everything's there. You can just grab it and go. It can be your breakfast. Um, and then sweet potato waffles are another big one, um, which mm. are another quick breakfast option that you can just grab, pop in the toaster and, and go. Um, and then I have some savory options, chickpea salad, which is like a chicken salad, but with chickpeas, um, mm-hmm. a potato salad, a lemon dill potato salad. That one is one of my family's favorites as well. And I tried yeah. to, I try to switch things out a little bit too, and get creative in the kitchen, not always have the same offerings, but those are pretty standard. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned kind of being a creature of habit with regards to breakfast and same. Um, I definitely could eat the same thing every day and pretty much breakfast and lunch I could put into that camp, but for your lunches, your dinners, um, the things that you post and share and create, how do you get your inspiration? Is it stuff that comes to you? Do you look to, um, other types of recipes and kind of like pick and pull, um, stuff that looks good to you? Like talk to us about that creating side behind it. So since I have my food Instagram, my explore page there on Instagram is full of different types of recipes. So I Mm -hmm. definitely get some inspiration there. Um, But also since I have a family that is so into cooking, I mean, we, uh, with the exception of my sister, we all cook, um, which is a pretty unique thing, I think. Yeah, that's so fun. Um, But we can go into the grocery store and I sometimes like to challenge myself and be like, okay, we're going to use up what we have in the kitchen, or I'm going to grab, I'm going to grab an ingredient that I've never used before and try and incorporate it into a meal. And I think if you just try to work with what you have, uh, then your creativity gets spurred and you can come up with something funky. And sometimes it's a fail and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it works out really well, which is the best feeling. So what's an ingredient that comes to mind along those lines that you have played around with recently? Miso. Ooh. I, I didn't use that very regularly. Um, I would try it when I was out at restaurants, certainly, but I've really enjoyed incorporating that into recipes recently. Is it a chickpea miso? Is it a soy-based miso? Uh, I've used both. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, either. I've, yeah. I've been going through it quite a bit, actually. So I've, I've done a few recipes, but my favorite, which my brother and sister actually just ate for lunch, <laughs> is like a teriyaki tofu crumbles with like a miso teriyaki sauce that I made. And that's just Um, another example of like, my brother is not vegan by any means. uh Uh, He played football in college. He is an athlete. He's constantly eating animal-based protein, but he loves the things that I make. So it goes to show that anyone can enjoy a vegan dish, even if they wouldn't expect themselves to. Absolutely. And I will second that and say same thing with my husband. Like he like there are sometimes it's very rare, but there are sometimes where I'm like, we're on our own for dinner tonight. Um, you know, and he'll literally come home with a steak, cook it in butter and that's his dinner. And he'll like give himself a high five being like, I'm so keto right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when, you know, I kind of 
there are times where I'm like, okay, it's meatless Monday, or this is going to be just a purely plant-based meal. And the secrets in the sauce, the secrets in the spices. Like if I think that if you can kind of incorporate elements such as that, a purely plant-based meal can be absolutely delicious. And he loves it. It's like some of his favorites. And I remember when it was kind of like the height of the pandemic, when we were in quarantine and I was challenging myself to veer a little bit more plant-based and, um, we ate vegan for a little good stretch there. And he like said, he felt great and he could have kept going, but then I ended up getting pregnant and it was my understanding that I, um, needed to incorporate animal protein back into my diet. And so he was like, if it wasn't for you, like I would still be, you know, (laughs) um, but yeah. So I think even like the biggest meat eaters out there can really come to appreciate, um, plant-based eating for sure. Yeah. Um, so you are going into your final year of college. What you mentioned something about dietetics. What is your plan after college? Um, what is kind of your dream scenario for your career? Yeah, I, I do first off want to get a degree in business just because I think that you can do so many things with that. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, um, definitely something that would be beneficial. And then after that planning to pursue a degree in dietetics, Mm -hmm. I think if you had asked me two years ago, what my dream job was, I would have said something in the medical field. I was on the pre-med track, Mm -hmm. all the things But then I kept getting frustrated with how the medical field is such a reactive approach as opposed to a proactive, like getting to the root of the problem approach. Um, So I, I go back and forth all the time. I still really have no idea what I'm doing. But one thing that I think would be really cool is to combine business and nutrition and go into like hospitals, elementary schools, places like that where you have your most vulnerable populations and partner Mm. with those schools with a business that is able to bring healthier food options. Um, For a while, people were telling me, well, like maybe you could be a nutritionist at a hospital. And that sounds great to me. But then I was like, it, it would be very hard to make those changes happen as just a nutritionist working with the food that they currently have there. What if I could create a company that could partner with these places to directly bring healthier options to, to these people. Um, so I, I'd say as of now, that would be my dream job, but things can always change. Absolutely. And, you know, just kind of listening to you and, and from what I know of you thus far this summer, you know, it seems very clear to me that to do something more entrepreneurial in an act of service using all of your talents, um, and your path up to this point in that way, you would be shining your best light. And, you know, and I, and I'm going to preface this by saying, um, I don't know too much about that side of dietetics, you know, from my just personal experience of when I thought that I wanted to go down that route as well. I remember having a meeting with, um, head of a dietetics program at a local university here in Virginia. And it became very clear to me, our values didn't align. And, you know, kind of to your point, I think that there can be this, um, passivity to a system already in place that might be more difficult to change if you're kind of stuck in it. Um, and I don't want to offend anyone who is currently in that place with their career, but I do think, that those types of, um, 
industry isn't the right word, but those types of organizations and um, our food system in that way, especially as it pertains to like hospitals and schools, it does need a lot of change. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes you just get stuck doing things because that's the way that it's always done and creating change can be um, just more challenging. So um, I think that that is an amazing goal to set for yourself and something that our world really needs. So yeah, it, it's definitely an ambitious goal, but yeah. I, I think I'm super passionate about it and hopefully can do something to make some change happen. You seem like a very ambitious person. So I wouldn't, um, I would think that you'd be very cut out for it. <laughs> um, so what other kind of facets of health, um, are important to you aside from, I know you mentioned movement obviously every day and nutrition, but what other things do you sort of incorporate into your health practices? Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, relationships, I feel like that's Mm -hmm. something that I wouldn't really associate with health too much, but I have realized recently that it is super important for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it helps me find more of a balance with my mindset because I'm such a perfectionist, like Mm -hmm. a go-getter that I can catch myself getting too caught up in, okay, I need to have healthy meals and be exercising that my siblings even joke sometimes they're like, Bronwyn, you're becoming like a robot. And I'm like, like, (laughs) I need to find some balance here. Um, so relationships is definitely a big one. Um, sleep is also something that I find super important. I'm, that brand, I'm that weird college kid who goes to bed at like 9 30 PM and I'll be like, all right, good night, everyone. And they're like, yeah. okay, I'm getting started with my homework right now, but yeah. for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's definitely something that I prioritize. And I, uh, one final thing, I'm such a morning person. Mm-hmm. I have always gotten up, gotten my workouts and in the morning but recently I've realized I kind of want to start my mornings a little bit more slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, So whether that's meditation for someone, I like to get up and read my Bible and, or read a book, Um, just do something like that. Even if it's just like 15, 20 minutes to get a slightly slower start to the day while also checking off things from the to-do list early in the morning. Yes. And I went through that exact same shift. I mean, I remember there was a time where, um, I worked in corporate banking and I had to be at work at some 15. So I was just so used to getting up at four 45 and going to the gym from five to six. And, and then that mentality kind of, um, traveled with me to my next job. And it was just like a get up and go. And my husband actually called it my like zoom doom because <laughs> I just felt like I needed to like start, you know, start the day that way. And then, um, kind of like into more of my early thirties, I was like, you know what? I don't really want to start the day at this level. I want to actually get up and like you said, meditate and just take at least an hour or so to myself to just ground. Um, so I think that, um, I, I share in that sentiment with you and it can actually, like, I felt my nervous system calm down a bit actually, which I found it beneficial mentally and physically. Um, so for anyone listening that might be kind of stuck in that mindset, but once a change, there are benefits to both sides, obviously, and flexibility of your schedule plays a role in your ability to do so. But I think that there can be something so beautiful about starting your morning a little bit slower too. Um, but what I kind of want to talk about next is, so you mentioned kind of like 
you know, being in college and relationships being really important to you. But I remember kind of being your age, I was a little bit older um, and realizing that I wanted to kind of change. It sounds like you've already done this and you have a very good head on your shoulders, but there was a time in college where I was very caught up in the party scene. And then I realized that wasn't working for me anymore. And I wanted to kind of adopt healthier habits and especially better sleep hygiene. Um, and that sort of those changes made me feel ostracized, right? Whereas a lot of my friends were still kind of going in that direction of drinking and partying and not really prioritizing health where I remember feeling very alone. And I, and I don't think you need to be in college in order to experience this. I think that at any time you want to make a change or adopt healthier habits and your um, close vicinity of people or your network, and that goes against the status quo, you can receive backlash or um, you can just feel a little bit more alone. So how have you ever felt that way? Or do you feel as if your friends and your network has always been kind of supported because that's just who you are and you're very true to your authenticity? Yeah. So something that definitely has benefited me is I've, I'm definitely not confident in all areas of my life, but that is one area where I've always been pretty comfortable with who I am. Mm. Um, and going into college, it was nice because I was making friends based off of who I already was. Mm -hmm. Um, now that being said, I have friends who definitely are much more in the like party crowd going to bed at 3am multiple times a week. Um, so I, I definitely do still have that balance of my friends, not totally understanding Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I come from at least, but, (laughs) but they respect it because it's always been who I am in their eyes. Um, I think in high school, it's a little different because where I went to school, I was with the same people for many, many years. Yeah. That change happened while I was with those people, which is probably more so what you experienced in college when you tried to make that change or right after college. Um, so it is definitely harder in that type of setup, but I think confidence is a super, super important part of that. Um, I've heard, someone who I follow say all the time act confident and no one will question you. Mm. And I think that's so true in certain areas of life. If you are comfortable with who you are and people don't accept you for that, then, then they don't. But if, if you're just comfortable with who you are, I think people will respect it. The right people will respect it and they won't have a problem uh, making a friendship work, even if you aren't the exact same. Oh man. Damn, I wish I knew you when I was 22. <laughs> I, yeah, and I think, I mean, just so many aha moments come up for me, even what you just said. And I think that what was missing from my story was that because I made a change after college, my friends from high school who I had known since I was five, um, they were kind of questioning that change. And I think that you can psychologically unpack that in many different ways and kind of throw in the old adage of like, that has more to do with them than it does with me, but I didn't have that confidence. And, you know, I think that if I was going through that now with the person that I am today, it would be a completely different journey, but I feel like other people's questioning made me question. And so I think that what you just said is so important for people to hear, no matter their age, that if you feel like you need to undergo a change, um, or you're just sort of like doubting where you are in life, 
more tap into your intuition and your authentic self and listen to that inner voice and just have the confidence to show up authentically and who you are and that other people respect will follow that. I think that that is just beautiful. And I certainly have caught myself at certain times being like, well, maybe I should try and be more extroverted, more outgoing in this way. And every time I come back and I'm like, okay, I sure I had fun, but Mm -hmm. I'm so much more happier, so much happier and more fulfilled when I'm sticking to who I know I am. So I think just trying to figure out what brings you joy and what truly makes you happy. If you can do that, then you can surround yourself with people who accept that even if their happiness comes from different places or from yeah. people who find happiness in the same things as you. Yeah. Um, okay. So kind of along those lines, um, if you could help people with one lifestyle change, what would that be? Or what is one lifestyle thing change that you think that people, um, if they adopted it, it would benefit their life. I kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier, but I think um, sticking to the produce sections of grocery stores mm-hmm. would be super beneficial um, for people just because even I, I love fueling myself with whole foods, but if I go down an aisle with cookies and crackers, I'm, I'm going for all of the things. Uh-huh. Um, so I think starting starting your grocery trip there is very helpful, um, for creating a balanced plate, but then also a little differently, I think just being kind to yourself. Mm. Um, it's so easy, especially these days to, to become such a perfectionist with things like this, with your diet per se, or exercise, like, Oh, I have to hit this amount of calories in my workout, or I have to get this many greens in. And I think, we need to kind of step back sometimes and realize we're not supposed to be perfect. (laughs) We're never going to be perfect. So it's better to find enjoyment in those areas Mm -hmm. and have a few days where you're not eating as healthy or where you're just sitting on the couch all day. I think that is much healthier for you than Mm -hmm. trying to hold yourself to this extremely high standard where you're just pushing yourself at all times. Yeah. Oh, I think that's very powerful. Um, and yeah, it can be, that can be applied to any area of life, you know, in it and the importance remains the same, whether that's your health or your career or your relationships. Um, and to just, you know, sort of learn to talk to yourself the way that you would somebody else and become your own best friend. I think that's very important. Um, so before we kind of go into our final question, where can people find you? Yeah, so I am primarily on Instagram, a uh, plant-based post, mm-hmm. all one word. Um, that's that's honestly really my only platform. And then plant-based postal for my food delivery. I'm looking into getting started on TikTok, but that has not oh, happened. Man. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, yeah I love now just Instagram. That's awesome. Everyone should go follow her because um if you want some motivation into eating more plant-based foods, that is where you will find it. It's <laughs> delicious and beautiful. Um, and I love this final question. Um, and I used to ask it to everybody and now I kind of select it out as I go, but I have a fascination with morning routines. And so I love hearing about people's morning routines. So I would put yours into two parts. What is your morning routine been like this summer? 
at mm-hmm. home in between um, school years? And then what is your morning routine? What do you foresee your morning routine being like when you go back um, and you're living in an apartment, et cetera? Yeah. So this summer I have been able to go to bed fairly early. Um, so I start my days pretty early as well. I usually get up around 6.30 and read my Bible for like 20, 30 minutes. Um, I love running. So I usually go for a run or I've tried to incorporate more strength training into my routine. So Mm -hmm. I usually start with some form of movement and then make my favorite yogurt or oat granola bowls. Um, so yeah, my morning routine is pretty simple. Nothing, nothing too crazy there. Um, as far as school, I do work at a cycle studio Um, and so I will usually wake up and go take one of those classes and then make breakfast and head to class. Um, that's awesome. What's that studio called again? Zoom. Oh, there are a few, there are a few up in Charlottesville, but what's the one I'm thinking about that starts with a P Uh, Curvello. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, cool. I didn't know there was the zoom one. Yeah. I, I haven't ever been to Pirvello, but I love the community at Zoom. It's a great spot. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, very cool. Well, you just have your hand in because you also um, <laughs> interned for the sports nutritionist at yep. athletics as well. That's yep. amazing. I mean, good for you for realizing this so early. I know that it's, um, it's a gift, I think, to kind of un- uh, to realize your passions at an early age and to be able to kind of you know, not necessarily have it be resume building, but just sort of, um, something that you incorporate into your life early enough. So you can kind of figure out what you want to do, what you don't want to do and pick and choose, and then, um, find the inspiration once you kind of hit the real world and, um, you know, be able to, um, get started on your own thing. Yeah. Well, it does feel like chaos a lot of the times, but I think <laughs> that it'll lead me down the right path eventually. You know, it's funny you say that because I, um, I'm still waiting for things to come into more focus and for the chaos to settle. And now I'm kind of realizing that I, I don't think it ever will. I think that, um, I think you and I are very similar in the fact yeah. of when you're passionate about something and you kind of want to have your hand in a lot of different things. Um, you know, there's parts of me that is so grateful for being this way. There's parts of me that are sometimes like, I wish I could just feel a little bit more focused, but I've also been in positions like that, like a nine to five, and that wasn't very fulfilling. So I wouldn't have it any other way, but, um, I think kind of riding the chaos is, is just an important part of life as well. Well, I guess I'll just have to find comfort in the chaos then. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Comfort in the chaos. (laughs) Boom. We will end on that note. Um, Well, thank you, Bronwyn, for coming on. I've loved this conversation and getting to know you a little bit more and know that there is so much um, wisdom here that our audience can gain from. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it as well. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes and you can connect with us on Instagram at Healthified and at Gratified. Until next time.